You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. It's time for the New Hampshire Business Update with Jeff Feingold of the New Hampshire Business Review. Get more from them at nhbr.com. Thanks for joining me again, Jeff. Great to be here, AJ. So I found this really interesting. You guys uh, did a write-up on a uh, survey that the New Hampshire Bar Foundation did of over uh, 1,700 of its members. And it's around the um, basically how attorneys in the state feel about their job and if they feel comfortable in it, the collegiality around being in the bar. And Mm -hmm. it's an interesting case study because – it, these are people, for the most part, make a decent income in the state, ranging from public defenders to private attorneys, We've got intellectual property firms. So there's, there's a wide range of aspects of the legal industry here in the state. But this gives a, like the, the working professional like a survey of how they're feeling about working in, in the state. And I'm assuming as we go through a little bit, there's a bit of an aspect of there's a good old boy's attitude when it comes to the bar. There always has been. I've spoken to many yeah. attorneys that have been this, in the state since the 60s. And it, it, there's been tremendous improvements, obviously, to the culture. And, I, and I've heard so much from uh, former New Hampshire Supreme Court Justice Caroline Conboy, for example. I've heard her speak many times. Um, but uh, how... What did it look like to you when you were seeing the results of it? Well, I, I have to say, I, I wasn't I wasn't completely surprised by it. You know, when basically most of it, it, most of the attorneys said they were satisfied with their jobs, although it was 57 percent is a lot. But that means there's 43 percent who are not at some level not satisfied. So that was really interesting. But um you know the thing that really was, that really strikes me there is a there is a difference between men and women in terms of whether they are extremely satisfied with the job and men are much well you know pretty pretty substantially more male attorneys are more pretty substantially more likely to say that they are extremely satisfied with their jobs and female attorneys are the ones who are saying that basically they are more, more a larger percentage of female women say they are satisfied with their job as opposed to extremely satisfied. And when you break it down even more, um, the uh, you know when you turn talk about attorneys of color, you know, and they are they have a less they have somewhat a, a similar number as women in terms of being satisfied, but the extremely satisfied numbers are also l- much lower than men, which is. Which, which is really uh, of white men. And I think it's really saying something more about the, just the situation in individual law firms, there's law firms in, in, and in terms of what we're seeing now is that if I, I go back a long way and I remember meeting women who were the first women working by themselves as an attorney in a lot of law firms, but things have changed a lot, but you know, it, does take time to change and change attitudes of a culture and also of uh, of the people who ha- who have been entrenched there in a law firm. And you figure, I'd, 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 if I had to guess, some of these extremely satisfied white men that are in the New Hampshire bar own their firms or they're very high level partners at a lot of these firms. They've been there a long time. The thing with the legal industry, especially in modern times, is 
you can keep working forever. I mean, you can work till till the day you die, essentially, because you you there there's a lot of opportunities. There's so much money able to be made in these high level partner positions that yeah. they'll just work part time. They'll continue to have their leadership role, being their shareholder and everything, and they'll just keep working straight. Yeah, they can, as long as, lo- as long as they can, uh, you know, wake up in the morning and think, you know, you know, clearly that they got a job for as long as I want. I know attorneys who are in their 80s and 90s, so it's not unusual and but but the thing is that i think i do know of several law firms and actually i will say this we, we just had a uh, an event a diversity equity and inclusion event in uh, uh in bedford and it was well attended well over 100 people were there we had panelists and you know one of the sponsors was shaheen and gordon who's uh which is a well-known firm. And I do know that there are other firms that have been very active in their diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. There's you know, McLean Milton, she, she and Finney Bass. I mean, I get on a list, Bernstein, Shore, Nixon, Peabody. Most of the law, all of the large firms, I would say, have some kind of effort because they see the benefits, not only, you know, they, they see the benefits to their bottom line by having a more diverse, uh, you know, uh, staff of lawyers. And I think they also understand that it's, that it's something that their clients want. So they're working towards it. And I think they're very, very serious about it. I, I think the, 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 the survey shows that I bet anything that it might have been much different 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think there'll be a much bigger disparity. I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna. I'm, you know, I'm, I am trying to see this thing as half full, even though maybe it's not completely half full. But it's, it's, I'm looking at the, the, the progress that has been made over the last decade. And certainly over the last 20 or 30 years has been – yeah, it's it's a complete turnaround. Yeah, there's a lot less putting up with it. Like, yeah, it's, like absolutely. Every, it's very. I made it very clear on, on the show. Like, my full time job is at the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. I've been working with these legal professionals that many of them were surveyed for this for the last mm. uh, eleven and a half years. And some like there there are some of those people that that obviously are. I, I wish they had a different attitude towards towards yeah. towards things, but. When it comes to the firm management level, the big firms, especially in the state, they do not put up with it. They see the no. value in it. And it, this is – I wouldn't say necessarily – there's been like an overcorrection in some industries with, with pushing for certain levels of diversity with regards to certain aspects of it. Don't, but specifically when it comes to the legal industry, you're representing specific communities. Exactly. It's very important to have that representation of someone – who maybe come from came from uh, poverty when they were growing up and went into the legal field and knows what it's like to work with those people. People that maybe are of uh, Hispanic descent or something like that, going into uh, um, the more Hispanic communities in the state to, to work with them, the individuals there, because they feel more comfortable because it's very personal and it can all, and be very expensive. So you want to, you got to have this balance where you'd have someone you feel comfortable spending a lot of money and spending a lot of time and uh, talking about things that are very, not something you would just put out into the public yeah. sphere. Yeah. And, and, and another thing to remember about this, you know, the, the, the legal profession is a very insular profession not too long ago. And, you know, diversity to them would be maybe get taking someone who didn't go to uh, one of the Ivy League schools <laughs> You know, exactly. it, 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 I mean, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, there was only a certain kind of person allowed and certainly in one of the, in one of the more prestigious film firms. But I think they understand the value in getting a diversity of opinions, diversity of talents, diversity of, you know, intellectual pursuits, that kind of stuff. And I, and I they do. I think they do understand it or most law firms do understand it. 
I'd say the vast, vast majority do, which is why the Bar Association conducted the uh, the survey to just kind of t- to get a, get a sense of where where it stands now. This this whole movement towards having a more diverse and inclusive uh, law office. Has the uh, is the bar said anything about what they uh, what they thought of the results at all? I think they were they were I think they were they were pleased on the participation. They didn't make any comments on what they thought the results reflected. But uh, I w- I would think that it it was mostly just it was something I think for the other members of the bar to read and, and try to figure out for themselves maybe where they stand. And uh, you know they, obviously they didn't say what firms participated. What the they didn't say the names of the attorneys who participated. And, uh, you know, it just basically it was their race, uh, race, gender. And I believe that and that was pretty much the, what, a dif- what the difference was. They had, you know, ethnicity. But I think that was under uh, basically they called it up compared to other firms. Let's move over to uh, small business owners in the state. It looks like there's a new program uh, that CDFA is launching. Yeah, that this is this is really something very interesting. It's been going. It, it's been working towards this. They got some. They got some money from the through the through the uh, some of the pandemic money. I think it was the uh, the uh, ARPA money, I believe. And they were awarded this this money to set up this community navigator program, which is going to be involve a website that's aimed at helping. Uh, entrepreneurs from like underserved communities, a lot, a lot of the communities we just, you know, people who we were just talking about and others who have, you know, who have not had the same access to resources, to advice, to mark, you know, marketing help, business plan de- development, uh, you know, the whole, the whole thing that, that maybe other uh, entrepreneurs have. So it's going to be an attempt to really make this uh Create they, what they. I, I'm exactly too much in love with this word, but it's like an e- ecosystem of entrepreneurial assistance for small businesses, uh, and uh, it's 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 interesting. It's one of the. Uh, it's only one of 51 that was that were picked from across the country, and apparently there were there were quite a several hundred tra- uh, submissions. So they picked the uh, the CDFA's plan for it, and they're going to partner with a bunch of the uh, economic development organizations around the state try to make it as truly statewide as possible and really reach out to uh, the under, you know, the, the, the people, the, the other, the people who have had not really felt not the equity of, uh, of business development uh, uh, resources have not felt equity in, in, it, in their access to business development resources, which are widely available to, to many businesses. I mean, you know, you can go down the list of, different organizations from the SBA down to uh, small business development center and others, but they don't, that the, this is going to way of having more outreach to those communities that they haven't always reached out to. So for anyone that doesn't know what CDFA means, it's community development finance authority. I apologize for that. I was being a bad journalist then. I apologize for that. It's virtually said the first paragraph of your article. So I was able to find it. The, uh, (laughs) it's, this is a really interesting idea. I I've seen this, um, the New Hampshire insurance department has a similar sort of program where it's a kind of web front end where you can find what goes on with the program, which is great because it's really confusing to navigate these like, um, and it's like the SBA and such. I mean, they get busy. I mean, there's only so much, if you have the ability to go in and, um, 
go in yourself and take your time and poke around say this kind of makes sense maybe i should investigate this and have ways to contact people it's a fantastic idea for the everyday small business owner absolutely because you know we, for years we, we've you know the business review that's one of the things we do is that you know new hampshire is a is by far dominated by small businesses it's probably you know 99 of the businesses in new hampshire have fewer than 500 employees and even many 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 less much less than that actually and uh, this is this is really a good effort, I think, to to make it a little even more liberal, but a little more robust because it has been hard to reach out to underserved communities this way. Uh, and I think this this program is going is specifically designed to reach out to these communities that are not always. It's not as easy to reach out to some of the people in these communities because they don't have the same access to the information and the same uh, you know services that that other uh, communities do have in time i i mean it takes yeah. a lot of time to look around yeah. look in these ancient government websites say oh Absolutely. these resources are available i mean the um the general court uh, website's great that new hampshire state put up i'm still waiting on uh, all these other departments to find i know get some of them are really you know really some of them are really just embarrassing at this point you know some of them have websites that, that look like they were designed in 1991 mm-hmm. and, and it's and they act like and they work like it too and it's it's not it's it's definitely not welcoming it's not it's it, you know i would see i could see being frustrated very easily by something like that if i'm looking for information you and, don't know if it's up to date like you go there exactly, it's like is this exactly. something from 20 years ago like am i looking at stuff post covid 19 I know. No, seriously, I, I agree with you. you know, especially, especially, expect to see a, uh, you know, something about the Spanish flu in there or something. Yeah, it's like it's so the DHHS site. I'm like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> it's uh, nhcommunitynavigator.org if you want to check it out. It's a great looking site. I mean, there's so many events that are put on on a regular basis. To be yes. able to go to one place and find them is great. And um, in, in once again, speaking from the New Hampshire Insurance Department, their navigator program yes. got renewed. It, it's been a fantastic success. Jeremy Smith, sorry, Jeremy, I keep forgetting your, your last name, who run who heads up that program is actually a contractor, um, yeah. is toured around. They drag his butt around to, to talk <laughs> about it. That's really cool. Well, that's good, though. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You, got, you know, you can't, and also you just can't put it up and just expect people to know it's there. You really have to educate people, let them know this thing is there. And that's what I think part of this this effort's gonna be in doing the outreach. You can't just build, you know, it's you can't just build it and they will come. It's that's not how it's gonna work. You have to let people know that these services are available. Because they haven't been before. Yeah, I mean Concord specifically a few years back had an economic development department that they opened up specifically to 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 build up that. It, it was just a temporary um, temporary department the way it was structured at the time, but it brought in a ton after they restructured Main Street and they needed to get more businesses to Absolutely. Move in. Absolutely. Um, and it's and, and it, they've done a good job on it. And Concord really has done a good job in terms of their main the Main Street development. It's been really impressive. You know, for someone who's came here in nineteen eighty one, it was not exactly uh, it's not the Concord you have now. Let's put it that way. Well, someone who moved in in 2010. It, it's, <laughs> it's night and day. It, as uh, as uh, skeptical as I may have been about the traffic pattern, it, it, it fortunately paid off. That's right. Because uh, I remember when the, when the J.C. Penney's moved from downtown. It was downtown, and, and that was that was a that was a very sad day in uh, in Concord. 
<laughs> and now it's the only thing left in the Steeplegate Mall. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, was it JC Penny? Was it? I mean, it was. It was something like that. It was just crazy. What was used to be downtown, and then didn't they left? So yeah, everything got moved over to the Loudon Road, and that got all yeah. built up. But uh, so moving over to other businesses that are moving around. To, so I was really surprised to see a VC firm listed on the front page of anything related to New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> so Alumni Ventures is looking to consolidate its office in the Manchester Mill Yard. I mean, yeah, they, this... they've been around for quite a while. It's, it's, they've been very successful. They, they do a lot of work around the country, uh, investing in various kinds of, uh, of companies and also you know, providing assistance to, to entrepreneurs. And uh, they've had offices in downtown Manchester scattered around downtown and I guess they've decided to move into a into a uh, into a space that's not far from the Fisher Cats ballpark hmm. on North Commercial Street. I mean, on on, on South, on, I think South Commercial Street. Oh, whatever. It's six Over in that part of the town. Yeah, that part. That part of it. And uh, what they're what they're thinking, what they're going to be doing is to be uh, uh, is going to consolidate everything. And apparently, the space is big enough where they can grow, even 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 larger if they, if they, if they can, you know, figure out how to do it and uh, you know, if they can do it. So they're, they're, they're happy to be in the Milliard and Milliard is really a, a big place for tech. You know, again, Dean Kamen's companies are here and many, many others you know, in terms of development, software development, you know, Autodesk is here, you know, there's a whole bunch of them now in the Milliard. And so it seems like a really good address for them. And I think it's, it's just kind of another sign that, you know, Manchester really has been developing into a into a tech, well, not kind of a hub, but it's more of a mag a magnet for for companies to come here and set up. And as we know from COVID, it's you know if you don't have to necessarily be in Silicon Valley or 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 Route One Twenty Eight uh, nowadays. So you know this is another way of Manchester of New Hampshire in particular, of New Hampshire and Manchester in particular, attracting you know saying you know we we are. You know, we're a tech. We're a tech city. Do you think a lot of the housing buildup they've done around the mill yard is, uh, has assisted with them wanting to do something like this? I, I don't. I don't. I doubt that. I mean, there are there are a lot more apartments down here in the mill yard, uh, and uh, it might be. I mean, I think a, a lot of. I know people who because I live in the mill yard, and a lot of the people who live here work. They just walk across the street to the mill, <laughs> the mill they're working at. You know, so. It, it, I think it is attractive for that reason, but I don't know if that's why I love my ventures to do it. I think they were looking for consolidate and considering what I know about office space um, availability, I'm sure that the landlord probably, they worked out a really good deal with their landlord for the amount of space they're taking. It's like 27,000 square feet. Wow. So uh, I think that that's probably, it was probably worth it to them. They wanted to consolidate and I think they got a good deal in, in, in probably in that space. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know how much they paid or anything, but I would think knowing what the situation is for office space right now after COVID, that this was, you know, they were, it was probably very uh, uh, attractive to them. Which is good. We need we need to get these big companies moving in into New Hampshire and centralizing so they stay in the long term. So that's, that's right. That's, that's right. See. All right. Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire Business Review. Thanks for joining me. Great talking with AJ. Stubby Cakes all in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll be right back.